Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Sabbath service uh, broadcasting here from CGI Burlington. Just doing our sound check, uh, just looking for a confirmation that the sound is coming through loud and loudly and clearly. And uh, we'll be playing the piano shortly. So if you can just confirm that you hear my voice and the piano, we'll get uh, started pretty soon. All right, very good. Thanks very much, uh, Mike, for the confirmation. Brother Mike, uh, blessings, everybody. We'll get started in just a few moments. Good Sabbath afternoon, everyone. Welcome uh, once again to another Sabbath service here, broadcasting live from the Burlington Congregation of CGI. We welcome all of our guests, all of our regulars, all of our uh, local members, and all of our guests. And whether you're watching live or tuning in uh, through the archives, which we uh, are noticing, uh, we're getting uh, quite quite a number of folks tuning in after the fact and listening to the messages. And we definitely do appreciate the feedback that we get and the, the positive encouragement. It certainly is, uh, is uh, uh, lifts our spirits to know that the messages you hear from here are a blessing to you. It is the eighth day of the seventh month in God's calendar, which means we uh, are not only on a high Sabbath today, but we're two days away from a most holy, holy time of year, Day of Atonement. So certainly uh, take the time to wish everyone a blessed fast and a blessed holy day in a couple of days, well, beginning tomorrow evening. Uh, before we get started, um, we'll, well, as we get started, we'll have, we'll pleased to welcome our brother from Ottawa, Peter Wilcox, to bring us, uh, to bring us the opening prayer. Abba Father, Holy One of Israel, we assemble here today and bow before your throne as others around the world to obey, obey your instructions and commandments on this Holy Sabbath. Father, we ask you 
for more teachings, more understanding of your ways. We ask you for guidance and your spirit of perfection as we read your word, the Torah. We pray for all of those who are diligently seeking you and that they may find you. We ask these things in his name, Jesus Christ, Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Brother Peter. Certainly appreciate that. We'll now uh, begin the song service. We'll, as we typically do, we sing one song now. It will be from page 19 in your hymn books. Uh, but don't worry, as uh, we typically do, we flash the words across your screen. And as we do sing the words, take time to meditate as we sing them. Don't sing them by rote. Uh, they're very meaningful words, as, uh, as is this particular hymn we're going to begin with. We'll begin with page 19, The Solid Rock. Thank you, Sister Jennifer, for playing the piano for that. And thank you, everyone, for joining in. Certainly can't hear you, but we know our Father in Heaven and our Lord and King can hear, hear us come together in song. And it certainly is a privilege and an honor to do that. And we cannot wait to stand before our Lord and be clothed in his righteousness. Praise God. We'll now have our scripture reading brought to us by our brother, Daniel Kowalczyk. who will be reading from Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Sabbath. Uh, Hebrews 9, verses 11 to 15. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Amen. Amen. And thank you, Daniel, for that. Certainly looking forward to the message that, uh, that, that is introducing us to. But before that, and before we sing one more hymn, we just have a few announcements to cover. Uh, obviously, uh, we know very well know, and we should be have already been preparing for the Day of Atonement that begins tomorrow evening at sunset. Um, the second of the fall festivals, again, it will be a holy day, and we do take up an offering or present an offering to our our God on that day. Please do join us at 2:30 p.m. on Monday afternoon for a service here, and we certainly look forward to bringing that service to you. Uh, later on in the week, uh, we know the Wednesday Bible studies take place at 7.30 this coming Wednesday. Uh, rather than go into another uh, psalm, we've got up to Psalm 82 this past week. We're going to be doing a live Q&A, as we do from time to time. And Pastor Adrian and I will be live uh, on on the air to take your questions and, and certainly invite you to uh, prepare those questions and um, certainly look forward to interacting with everyone in that way before the Feast of Tabernacles which begins on Friday evening at sunset. We're certainly looking forward to it, and we know this year it's going to be a, a different feast for many of us. Uh, even those who are able to go to a feast, it will, be slight, it will be definitely a unique feast. But we are commanded to rejoice, and we are commanded to keep the feast for eight days. So whether you're forced to keep it at home or you are going somewhere, do keep in mind this is a commanded assembly of God, and we are required to rejoice. We in, interesting times that we find ourselves in where we actually need to be commanded to rejoice given how the circumstances of this world we find ourselves in. But let's do come together and find a way to rejoice this year. We're certainly very much looking forward to the Feast of Tabernacles this year after a long, long, long spring and summer. We do wish everyone a blessed feast as well. Uh, For those of you staying local here in the uh, Ontario area, in the Collingwood area, the opening service will be Friday evening at 7.30. Speaking of the Bible study, we will obviously be on a hiatus during the feast. Uh, so the next Wednesday Bible study will be on October 14th. But do look for uh, during the uh, days through 2 through 7. I think Pastor Adrian is planning on covering the book of Ephesians in the morning. Uh, so do look for some announcements uh, on that on the CGI website. The, uh, for our local congregation, we will gather after the service here through our Zoom call. So do look for the link on, on Slack. And that's for our local congregation. We look forward to that fellowship after services. And finally, just a couple of prayer requests that have come our way. Sister Amy from Tyler has requested prayers for her father. He's undergoing some heart issues, uh, uh happened last Sabbath. And he is coming home today, but he's certainly not out of the woods and appreciates everybody's prayers who has been praying thus far. But please do keep uh, Sister Amy's father in your prayers, as well as locally, our brother Ray and his wife, Olivia, who are going through some serious uh, health trials. And if you know, uh, keep uh, our brother Ray and his wife in your prayers as well. So some some uh, urgent prayer requests for those those folks in our midst.
That brings us to the end of the announcements. Uh, before we get to the sermon, we'll be brought to our brother and deacon, Jan Kowalczyk. He will be bringing a message entitled, No Tabernacle Without Atonement. No Tabernacle Without Atonement. I'm certainly looking very much forward to our brother's message and appreciate all that he has brought to us over the, over the months here as we uh, support each other through technology and through the, the downtime that we've had. Before that message, we will be singing uh, Blessed Assurance from page 22 of our hymn books. Blessed Assurance, the words will be on your screen. And then the sermon for this afternoon, No Tabernacle Without Atonement. Uh, good afternoon, everyone, and happy Sabbath to all of you. It is, as always, I just want to express my personal gratitude to all of you for joining us faithfully week after week and holiday after holiday. And I hope and pray that today the message will be also a blessing. The entire service will be a blessing to all of you. And a few weeks ago, I gave a sermon entitled Trumpets, Remembering the Covenants. And I want to just quickly go for the next few minutes just to quickly refresh your memories if you're able to hear the message. But if not, you know, you can still revisit it. It's still in the archives. It's CGI.org, or you can find it on the CGI app. So if you want to listen, you want to refresh your memory, it's still up there. It's still posted up there. But what I said in this sermon at the beginning, I said that trumpets, Trumpet in general, not just this day, points us to the future, but trumpets also remind us about something spectacular and important that happened in the past. And we spend a little bit of time in Exodus chapter 19. I would like you to turn your Bible to Exodus chapter 19 again, just to quickly refresh your memory. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just a few minutes. So I have idea what I'm talking about. And if you're hearing this for the first time, we'll probably catch up very quickly here. So trumpet, it was supposed to be a memorial. Memorial of blowing a trumpet. 
memorial of something, if it's a memorial, it's a memorial of something that happened, some great event that happened in the past, a spectacular event that happened in the past. It was so magnificent, so spectacular, and such a miracle that God said, I want you to remember this event, and I want you to point out to this event all the time year after year. So what I'm talking about here, in Exodus, book of Exodus chapter 19, and right here in verse 16, Exodus chapter 19, and here verse 16, that it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountains. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud, so that all the people who are in the camp tremble at the sound. So we can imagine, can you picture yourself you standing in front of the mountain? And can you, can you just imagine this spectacular event? If you were just standing right there and experiencing yourself personally, you will never ever probably forget this event, right? And verse 17, And Moses brought the people out of the camp, and look at this, for what reasons? Out of the camp to meet with God. Wow. To meet with God personally. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Verse 18. Now the Mount Sinai was completely in smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like a smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and become louder and louder, just picture, I don't know if you ever tried to blow up so far. It takes a lot of strength. It takes, it, you know, it, it also takes a technique. You need to master a technique how to do it. I still don't know how to do it today, but I know how difficult it is. And try to blow a shofar for a long, prolonged period of time. And as you try to do it, try to do it with a shofar as you do this thing, you try to go louder and then after a while louder and after a while louder and louder and louder. It takes a lot of skills to do this thing, to do this thing. But it's not just that. When the blast of the trumpet sounded long and become louder and louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Through all this noise, incredible noise, a loud noise, there is another miracle. Moses is speaking and they can hear it and God is answering at the same time. What a miracle. What a miracle. And now, what happened on the day? They become a part of a covenant with God. And God says, because it was such a great day, and what happened on the day, they were, they meet God, they met God, and they hear him speaking to them. The God says, from now on, I'll come and I'll visit you again. But you have to remember this day. You have to remember this day forever and ever and ever. Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24. And verse 3. Look what happened on the day. Exodus chapter 24, verse 3. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And they they ratified. They ratified the covenant in blood. And people approved. Now, skip to verse 15. Skip down to verse 15. 
verse 15, and we're going to read the three verses here. Now, then Moses went up into the mountain, and a cloud covered the mountain. Try to picture yourself. You know, as you see this thing, you're experiencing this thing. You're not just reading about it. Try to experience it. Okay? And it says here, verse 16, And now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it, the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. Look at this. When the children of Israel, when they look at this presence of God, you know, and the, and the, the cloud that was covering the mountain, the only thing they could see is a consuming fire. But it's interesting here, verse 18, Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Moses was not consumed by the fire. This is how the rest of the people perceive this cloud on the mountain as a consuming fire. They were afraid. They were afraid. And as Moses went for 40 days and 40 nights, we know exactly what happened, right? The rebellion took place and a bunch of other stuff. But the most important thing, while Moses was up there on the mountain talking to God, here's something spectacular happened. Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. And look here on verse 8. God gives to Moses, 40 days and 40 nights, God gives them a specific instruction about something. What is it? Right here. Verse 8, Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. And let them make me a sanctuary or a tabernacle that I, I might dwell among, among them. And verse 9, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishing. Just so you shall make it. This is crucial. 40 days and 40 nights, God says, my desire, I want to be present among, among people, among my people. But I can't just descend just like that. You are too sinful. So you, Moses, I'll give you a pattern. Okay, I'll give you a copy of the original. And I want you to build it according to the code. Once you finish this thing, I'll be able to meet you right here. I'll be able to be among you, among among my people. And I don't know if you can picture, you know, many of you were able to see it, the layout of the camp, exactly how it's portrayed in Numbers chapter 2. You don't need to go there, but it is interesting when you look, when you will, when you will look at the layout of the camp, you will see how the tribes were aligned exactly around the tabernacle. You know, around the tabernacle of the meaning. So there was a tabernacle in the midst of the camp of Israel, and the tabernacle was, was surrendered by the Levites all over the place. And from the east side, from the entrance, that's where Moses and Aaron and the priests were, were camping. And specific tribe was allocated along each side's of the tabernacle. And Judah, the tribe of Judah was the one who was actually guarding the entrance to the tabernacle. 
And the reason why I'm telling you, you can, you can Google it, you can find it, it's very beneficial for you just to see the visual, how all these things, the layout, the structure, it is exactly how God wanted Moses to build this tabernacle. God wanted exactly to be this tabernacle presence in the middle of the camp of Israel. And that's exactly how it was. And now, Exodus chapter 31. Exodus chapter 31 here. I'm just going to read about one verse. When also when Moses was up in the mountain there for 40 days and 40 nights, at the end of it, something happened here. Verse 18. And, we, and chapter 31, verse 18. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, that's God, he gave Moses, what did he give him? Two tablets of the testimony. Two tablets of the testimony. Tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Moses did not do it. God gave him two stone tablets. And the tablets God wrote with his own finger. And he called them the tablets of the testimony. So what are the tablets of the testimony? Let's go to, if you have a paper Bible, just flip your, you know, a few pages to chapter 34. Go to Exodus chapter 34, and just one verse here. Look at verse 28. What are we talking about? The tablets of the testimony. What it is. Verse 28. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets... The words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. So the words of the covenant, what are the words of the covenant? What's the covenant? The Ten Commandments. This is very important. The Ten Commandments. Now, how significant is it? How significant this thing is? The words of the testimony, the Ten Commandments, written on a stone, by the finger of God. We should just right away just, 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 just accept it that this thing can never be changed. If it's something written by God, not just spoken, it is written by God. This is here. And this is going to stay forever and ever. No matter what. And no one, absolutely no one, has any authority whatsoever to mess up with these words. No one. God gave it to Moses. They are perfect. God wrote them on a stone with his own fingers. The Ten Commandments. They are here to stay till eternity. No one will be able to change it. No one. Now, what was Moses supposed to do? With these tablets, this covenant, with this stone. What was he supposed to do? We need to go back to Exodus chapter 25. Exodus chapter 25. And also just one verse here. And verse 16. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 16. What was Moses supposed to do with these two tablets of stone? Verse 16. And you shall put into the ark the testimony which I will give it to you. So you shall put into the Ark of the Testament and we shall give it to you. What he's talking about? He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. Moses, build this Ark of the Covenant. Once you finish it, when all this assembly of the tabernacle will be over, 
I want you to put these two tablets inside the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark is called the Ark of the Covenant. At the basis of the covenant is the table of test, uh, the, 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 the tablets of the testimony, which are the Ten Commandments. This is what the testaments, this is what the, this is what the entire covenant is based on. It's unchangeable. It's unchanging. Okay? Now, have you ever seen, have you ever pictured the Ark of the Covenant? You probably, you know, if you, if you have seen in the movies or in the Google. So let me just, I have a little copy here quickly just to show you, just quickly like that. It was something to be similar, something like that. It was overlaid with gold. Okay? It was a beautiful piece of art performed by special people and done with the God's Holy Spirit to perform such a task. But that's inside there, right there. That's where the tablets of stone end up. Right inside this Ark of the Covenant. And we'll come to this a little bit later. But now, if you would look at the diagram of the tabernacle, what if it, when it was finished, when it's completely finished, and I know many of you have idea what I'm talking about, and again, you can still Google it, and you can still look at it. So this tabernacle was placed again in the midst of the camp of Israel. The entrance to it was from the east side. As you would enter through the first veil, you will see the huge altar, which was called the brazen altar. That's what normal people, that's the only access they would have. You bring in an animal, sacrificial animal, that's how, as far as you will go. Then you go through the second veil, and then they'll go to the third veil, and in the third, after the third veil, the place was called Holy of Holiness. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. Inside the Holy of Holiness, the entire Ark with the, with the tablets, with the commandments of the covenant written on the stone. And right on this Ark of the Covenant, let me show you these pictures again. The glory of God would appear right here between the cherubims, right here, all the way. This is, there was basically the throne of God as God would reside with his people. This throne was built on the covenant. The Ten Commandments. And the question who was allowed to enter this Holy of Holiness? Who was allowed to enter it? How often? And how? What criteria? What specification had to be met for any person, let's say, to allow or to come in front of God's throne among his people? And we'll come to this. We answered this question a little bit later. But before we answer this question or questions, we have to deal quickly, we have to deal with the matter of sin. Okay? Because sin and God, that's the two things that are totally opposite of each other. And we know that it's the sin that separates us from God. It was sin that separated Israel from the presence of God. So let's quickly talk about sin. Okay, because some people have a little bit idea what sin is all about, but let's talk about the sin, how God look at the how God look at the sin issues 
under the Mosaic Covenant. Because this is important. If you want to understand what Christ is doing for us, we need to understand how God looked at these issues of sin under the Mosaic Covenant. Leviticus chapter 4. And just quickly here, Leviticus chapter 4. And I bring this chapter because this whole chapter, Leviticus chapter 4, is about, if you have a subtitles or titles in your, in your chapter, it's supposed to be the sin offering. One of the most important offerings, other than born offering, was the sin offering. One of the most important here. So let quickly, just you know what, you can read it on your own. There will be, we'll have a plenty of days during this holiday seasons. And it's very important to study stuff like that, to so have an idea what the day, how the day of atonement will be fulfilled in the future and the feast of the tabernacle. So here, Leviticus chapter 4, and just look quickly at verse 3. And it, oh, let's start with verse 2. It says, speak to the children of Israel saying, if a person sin, and look at the next word. If a person sins and unintentionally, okay, if a person sin unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought to be, which which ought not to be done, and does any of them unintentionally, and this whole subject here, it comes to when it comes to the priests, okay. But let's just keep down to verse twenty. Now we're talking about the whole congregation, okay? And just read the first, uh, verse 20 here. Actually, verse 13 first. Verse 13. Now the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the things it's hidden from the eyes of the assembly, they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and are guilty. And again, I want you to highlight this word unintentionally. Skip down to verse 22. Again, verse 22, the same chapter, verse 22. When a ruler of Israel, okay, when a ruler has sinned and done something, what's the word, the next word? Unintentionally, against any of the commandments of the Lord, his God, in anything which should not be done and is guilty, okay? Just skip down to verse 27. If any of the common people sin unintentionally, by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord, highlight the word unintentionally. This is very important. So the sin offering under the Mosaic Covenant was for sin committed in what way? Unintentionally. Okay? What was the provision? How can you receive atonement or forgiveness when you commit unintentional sin? It's right here. What they were supposed to do. Let's go back. Let's read verse 3. What they're supposed to do. He says, if anointed priest sins, and then at the end of this verse he said, he should offer a young bull and without blemish as a sin offering. Okay? So, here's the animal. And what kind of animal she would offer? A bull, which was the one of the most expensive, and the priestly class was probably the most wealthy in Israel anyway. But, this is, this is God giving them a provision. How are you supposed to get if you commit unintentional sin, okay, unintentional sin, he says, I want you to sacrifice a bull. Oh, hold on here, I have some, a uh, little bit here, technical difficulties. Just give me a second here. My screen just disappeared from me. Oops. I apologize for that. Just something, something appeared on my screen and I... 
I was a little bit panicking here, but I'm okay. So unblemished, that's when it comes to, I want you to highlight this word. Unintentional was the first one, and now unblemished. The animal is supposed to be unblemished, right? And we could go through all the other scriptures that we mentioned here. For the congregations, for the rural of the pe- rulers of the people, and everybody else, and you see every single animal, it's going down the rank to the lamb and all the other ones, but every single animal, it's supposed to be unblemished, unblemished, okay? So when you study these critical chapters here in Leviticus, at the beginning of Leviticus, Leviticus, and specifically the chapter about the sin offering, the trespass offering, chapter 4, 5, and 6, okay, some things that will come, some critical point that we have to remember, very critical if we need to understand, if you want to understand the Mosaic Covenant. First, first critical point, okay, you can't, you can't receive forgiveness and reconciliation without priesthood and the tabernacle. This is important. You can go wherever you want to. You can go to the desert. You can go anywhere and say, hey, you know what? I'll just get on my knees and I'll ask God and, you know, I'll receive a reconciliation. No, every single part, every single scriptures, as you look here, it says that you need to come in front of the tabernacle. We need to come to the priest and priest will do an atonement for you. So here, for example, Leviticus chapter 4, and just I'll just, just give you one verse here, 31. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 31. And at the bottom, of the bottom, the last part of the verse, look what it says. So the priest shall make atonement for him and shall be forgiven him, unintentional sin. So the critical point, point number one, you can receive forgiveness and reconciliations without priesthood and in the presence of the government. You can. That's God's provision. Point number two, and on top of that, a perfect and unblemished sacrificial animal had to be found. Perfect, unblemished animal had to be found. The next point, the sanctity of blood, the sanctity of blood of the sacrificial animal. The sanctity of blood of the sacrificial animals. Let me show you here quickly Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17. Leviticus chapter 17, look at verse 3. Whatever man of the house of Israel who kills an ox or a lamb or goat in the camp, or who kills it outside the camp, and does not bring bring it to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to offer an, as an offering to the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord. The guilt of the bloodshed shall be imputed to that man. He has shed blood, and that man shall be cut off from among his people. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices, which they offer in the open field, that they may bring them to the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting to the priest and offer them as a peace offering to the Lord. Verse 6, and the priest shall sprinkle the blood on the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle meeting and burn, the, and burn, and burn for, the, for, for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And verse 7 is very critical. They shall no more offer the sacrifices to demons after whom they have played the harlot. This is how, so basically what God is saying, you can't just get an animal, slash its throat and go somewhere else and use, let's say, this animal blood 
trying to atone for your own sins is impossible. If you do it, I would say they can't. If you do something like that for a religious purposes, God's saying, I will hold this blood that was spelled, I will hold it on your account. You'll be accountable for this animal's life. That's how serious God is. The sanctity of the sacrificial animals. Verse 11, just one verse. Skip to verse 11. We know this verse, but it's important to, to be reminded once in a while. Verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it's the blood that makes atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes atonement for your soul. So that was my point three. The sanctity of blood of the sacrificial animals. Now, the next point. As we you know, look a little bit about the sin offering. That's my next point. The holiness. The holiness of the sin offering. The holiness of the sin offering. And just go back to Leviticus chapter 6 here. Leviticus chapter 6. The holiness of the sin offering. Leviticus chapter 6 verse 25. The priest. I'll start verse 25. Speak to Aaron to his son saying. This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed. The sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. Look what it says here in your Bible. It is most, most holy. The priest who offer it for sin shall eat it. In a holy place it shall be eaten. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. And just keep down to verse 29. All the males among the priests may eat it. Why? It is most holy. It is sin offering. is the most holy of all the offerings in the tabernacle. Now, that was the holiness of the sin offering. So, as we cover it, as you look at it through this chapter, Leviticus chapter 4 and 5 and 6, as you studied carefully, my question is, where would you find something provision, let's say, that God would say, how about the intentional sin? What can you do when you sin intentionally? How can you be reconciled? How can you be forgiven? Is there anything under the Mosaic Covenant that you can be reconciled? So that brings me to my next point. Inability. Inability to atone for the intentional sins. Inability to atone for the intentional sins. And I want you to go to Numbers with me. The book of Numbers chapter 15 here. Book of Numbers chapter 15. And verse 27. Book of Numbers chapter 15 and verse 27. And if a person sins unintentionally, that's what we've been reading in Leviticus chapter 4. Then he shall bring a female goat in its first year as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally. When he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him. And it shall be forgiven him. And verse 29. 
you, sh- you shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally. One law for him who sins unintentionally. For him who is a native born among the children of Israel and for the strangers who dwell among us. The same law, no exceptions. Unintentional sin can be forgiven. Now, verse 30. This is very important. Verse 30. But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he is native born or a stranger, that one brings reproach on the Lord. And he shall be cut off from among his people. You can't get reconciliation. He'll be cut off. Because, verse 31, he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be completely cut off and his guilt shall be upon him. No sin offering. No reconciliations. You can't bring any animal and try to receive forgiveness. And why is this so important, brethren? Because sometimes people think that during the Mosaic mosaic covenant, you know, and sometimes you read even in the commentaries, that they will say that, you know, oh, you bring a sin offering, you, put, you lay your hands on the sin offering, you confess the sin, and instead for you, instead for you, you're, for you to be dead, this poor animal dies in your place. This is not true. This is nonsense. Because for all the sins committed unintentionally, there was no death penalty. All the sins committed unintentionally, there was no death penalty. So this animal, poor animal, didn't dying instead of you. But this poor animal died because of sins that you forgot or for some reasons you omitted. That's how serious God is when it comes to sin. And the reason why I'm saying, why I'm going through all of these things, because we live now in the day and age that some churches are not concerned about sin issues. We think that Christ died for all our sins and, you know, we can do whatever we want. And just in case we appear before Christ and sometimes we don't even have to repent. Sometimes we don't even have to confess our sins. Sometimes we don't need to reconciliation. It's just me and God. We can do whatever we want. And why are we saying this now? Because we have no idea how the Mosaic Covenant used to work. How is that possible that people are not allowed to sin intentionally under the Mosaic Covenant, but now we think that we can sin intentionally under the Christ God. How will you reconcile this thing? How is that thing possible? I don't know. So I'm just trying to explain to you, be careful. Even some commentaries, what they were saying to you, it's not actually line up with the Torah. So let me repeat again. These few points that I said very important. To atone for your unintentional sins, unintentional sins, what do you need? Sacrificial animal, unblemished, a perfect animal, in front of the tabernacle, right? And in presence of the priests where the blood had to be shed. That's the requirement. That's not my idea. That's God's idea. That's what God gave to Moses. That's how God explained to Moses. He says, that's what you need to do if you want me to be present among you in the midst of your camp. This is how serious it is. So ask a question. Who was allowed to enter in front of the in front of God? 
who was allowed to enter in front of the presence of God in the Holy of Holiness? And when? And how? Who? Remember, God is serious about sin. He's not joking. He is serious. And he descends to this pushing us away from God. He descends. So now we'll cover a little bit the Day of Atonement. As we further our understanding about the issues of sin, we come to the Day of Atonement. Leviticus chapter 16. Leviticus chapter 16. Which we will try to answer all these questions. Who and how and when can a child appear before the presence of God? Okay? Leviticus 16. So here, let's just read first, first through verses. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered and profaned fire before the Lord and died. Can you imagine that? He tried to sanctify the tabernacle they just built. And two men, two priests, disobeyed God's command. They're struck on the spot right away. And God says to Aaron, through Moses, he says, Hey, don't mourn them. No time for that. Get up. Do your thing. This is how serious it is. Okay? Profane fire before the Lord and die. And now, the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place, inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I, God, will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Let me show you this thing. Again. This is God. That's where God will appear. Right here, on top of the mercy seat. This is God's throne here. This is how God manifested his presence when the tabernacle was standing among the children of Israel. Okay, this is how serious it was. So, who could enter this place? Can just the regular normal people just walk through the tabernacle and come through the last veil and appear before the presence of the Lord? No. Can any of the priests or the Levites can just, just walk in through the last veil and appear before the God and say, hey, you know, God, I'm here to talk to you. What's up? No. Who was allowed? Only the high priest. The highest ranking priest among the children of Israel. What an honor. What an honor to do something once a year. There were many high priests and many high priests served for years and they didn't have the honor to enter and perform the ceremony. And wouldn't you be afraid? If let's say that was your turn to go into the Holy of Holiness on the Day of Atonement as a high priest, it was your duty to, to perform something like that. Of course, it would be a scary stuff. Because the whole, everything, the whole nations, the whole nations were hanging on your arms. They were depending on you as a high priest. If you would collapse, 
If you died in this place, it means God didn't forgive us our sins. That was a serious, serious day. Now, once a day, on the day of atonement, and only by the high priest. Look at verse 12 and 13 here. Then he shall take a censer, okay, censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense before beaten pine and bring it inside the veil. For what reason? For what reasons? Okay. You know what is censer, right? I hope that you have an idea what is censer, right? You put a coal here, a hot coal when they're burning and you put a little bit like a, like a seed, like a, you know how black pepper looks like, right? Some like seeds like that. And they release, they start, they start, they start burning, they start smoke, release a lot of smoke. And here in verse 13 it says, Then he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense might cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony, lest he die. What was the point of the, of the smoke of the censer? Just to cover it. So even the high priest, once a year, one day in a year, one individual couldn't have a full picture, full imagination, full contact with amazing God. The God had to blind him. Wow. God is serious about sin. And he still is. Okay? Now, there were another strict conditions before high priest could actually enter it. Okay? Just go back to verse 3, 3 and 4. It says here, Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place. Not just, you know, he can walk whenever, however. This is how he's supposed to walk. Once a year, on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, and this is how, with the blood of the young bull as a sin offering, of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and a linen treasure on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are the holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. Even before he could enter this thing, he would have to take a bath, wash his body fully, change his garments, uh, take a blood from the bull offering. He had atoned for his own sins. For his own sins before he actually entered to the third veil and appear before the holy God. And even then, he had to put a lot of smoke inside this room so that God would preserve his life. That's amazing. And there is another important, important point here as we started this part. Verse 16. Hold on, did I miss the scriptures here? That's okay. Let's skip down to verse 16. Verse 16 and look at verse yeah, verse 16 and 17. So, he shall make atonement, the holy priest. He shall make atonement for himself and what else? He shall make atonement for the holy place because of what? Even the holy place is considered unclean by God because of what? Because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And because of their transgressions for all their sins. And so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement for the holy place. 
until he comes out, that he make that he make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. What a specific, detailed requirement to be followed specifically, no exceptions on this day, the day of atonement. And skip down to verse 30. Skip down to verse 30 here. For on, for on that day the priest shall make atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. It is a statue forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as a priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen clothes, the holy garments. And Verse 33, then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting, and for the altar, and shall make atonement for the priest, and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be an everlasting statute for you, to make atonement for the children of Israel, for all their sins, once a year, and he did it, as the Lord commanded Moses. So can you imagine, can you picture yourself under the Mosaic Covenant? Let's say when you, when you, let's say, used to live there. And let's say you are a very godly person. You will make a journey to Israel. At the appointed time, you will make the journey to Israel. Even maybe more often. You will sacrifice to God. Burns offering, sins offering, all those things. You will come and maybe once in a while just see, the, to see this ritual that was taking place of a day of atonement. When you would observe this same ritual over and over and over again, year after year after year, what would you think? There'll be some questions, right? Running in your head. I hope so. Is that the solution? Is that the eternal solution? How can we deal with this sin? How? How can we meet with God one-on-one? When? When is that possible? Very good question. So through this, not just the Day of Atonement, the whole the sacrificial system, you know, we have to keep in our mind, even in the 21st centuries here, okay, when we call ourselves the Christ followers, we have to keep this thing in mind. That there is a permanent separation between God and sin. They cannot coexist together. If you are a Christian and you involve into yourself into a sinful behavior and you continue into the sin, sinful behavior, you can be called Christ-like. It is impossible. God is very serious about sin. He can't stand sinful behavior. And always remember this. Sin, sin brings death. Sin brings death and eternal separation from God. That's it. So now, what's the solution? What's the solution? I gave you a title. 
When you talk about the Feast of Tabernacle, we talk about the Tabernacle, what are we talking about? We're talking about God being present right now with his own people in the midst of that. Why can God come down and be present among us? Because of our sinfulness. So what's the solution? What's the solution? You know, God desires in his heart. God strongly desires in his heart to be with me and you. He wants that. He wants affection. He wants relationship. He appreciates his children. Let me give you some scriptures. You know, it's right in the Hebrew Bible. Exodus chapter 29. He would laugh one day this thing will happen like that. That God will be fully, fully, in his fully manifested presence in all of us. And that will happen. It will happen eventually. Exodus chapter 29. Verse 42 to 46. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generation. At the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Where I, where I will meet you to speak with you. And there I will meet with the children of Israel. And the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So I'll consecrate the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. I will also consecrate both Aaron and his sons to minister to me as priests. I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. That I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. This is God's desire. His children are failing him over and over and over. But God hasn't given up, give up yet. Okay, he'll never will. And never will. Let me give you one from the book of Revelation. And you know the scriptures very well. You know, we read the scripture so often, especially at the Feast of Tabernacle, but just to refresh your memory, Revelation chapter 28. So we come here to the conclusion of your Bible here. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. Eventually, this is the end picture. This is portraying the Feast of Tabernacle, okay? Verse 3, it says, And I hear a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God, the presence of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Wow, I can wait for this moment to be fulfilled. I am sick to live in society that doesn't have whatsoever any respect for God, for Jesus Christ and for his commandments. We think like we are some independent creatures that came through evolutions and we can do just whatever our hearts desire. It's not true. It's not true. God will hold us accountable. Now, as I said, before we enter the Feast of Tabernacle, the Day of Atonement needs to be fully, fully fulfilled. Not partially, but fully, fully fulfilled. So what's the solution? How will God bring about the solution that eventually we can be reunited? And we know we have the answers in the Bible. Let me give you the first point. 
how God will about bring this resolution to this problem of sin and his people. Point number one. Renew. Renew the covenant with Israel. Renew the covenant of Israel. And you know the scriptures, but you know, just to refresh your memory. Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah chapter 31. Open your Bible, Jeremiah chapter 31. One note scripture. And just two verses here. Verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. When I will make, and it says here, a new, but the Hebrew actually says refresh. That I will refresh covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And verse 32. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with, with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their, in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. How important this thing is, brother. It's very important. Just look at this thing. Everything is based on the covenant. This is God's strong. Okay? Presence of God is continuously here. This is just a this is just a copy of the original which is in heaven. But what's of the base? What sits in the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments. Right? The Ten Commandments is the covenant. God, as a king, he's a lawful God. He can't abandon his covenant. So he will renew his covenant in a different way. Instead, the tablets of stone, or the words that are written on the tablets of stone, the same words, the same covenant, will be written in my heart and in my mind forever and ever. And for his children, Israel. Hebrew chapter 10. Hebrew chapter 10. And just four verses here. Hebrew chapter 10. Verse 1 to 4. Hebrew chapter 10, verse 1. For that law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things which can never, can never with the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. Okay? For then would they not have ceased to be offered? For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away the sins. God has a way. Because he loves his people. And he never ever abandoned his people. And it's coming a day that he will renew his covenant with the nation of Israel and the nation of Judah. And this covenant this time will not be just written on the stone, on a piece of stone with God's finger. It will be written with God's spirit inside hearts and minds of Israelites. Now, how we bring about the solution? 
renew the covenants. Point number two. If they renew covenant, point number two, there is a need. Change of the priesthood. Change of the priesthood. Hebrew chapter 7. Hebrew chapter 7, verse 20. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath for all the Levites and Aaron, verse 21, for they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, Jesus Christ. And here is a quote. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant. Also, there were many priests because they were, because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continued forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Let me give you another one. Hebrews chapter 8 here. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now, this is the main point of the thing we are saying here. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, not a copy, now in the original, a master of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown on you on the mountains. We just read the scripture in Exodus. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry in as, in, in as much as he is also, as, as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which was, which was established on a better promises. And brethren, I can go on and on here with the book of Hebrews, right? But it will be a good read for you before the day of atonement just to get yourself familiar with writing of this book, and especially about the high priest, is Jesus Christ. So renew the covenant, change the priesthood, because it already happened. Christ is our high priest now, okay? And now, what would be the conclusion? What would be the conclusion, eventually, what the Day of Atonement will fulfill eventually at the end? Restoration of the nation of Israel. We can't restore all the nations of this earth before the restoration of Israel takes place. And that's why, brethren, when you look at the whole constructions of the tabernacle, when you look at the Ark Covenant, it's called the Ark of the Covenant. The throne of God is just the Ark of the Covenant. God is serious about his covenant. And at the bottom of his throne is the Ten Commandments engraved with his finger in his writing. Unbreakable, unchangeable. If God does not restore the nations of Israel, then, brethren, he is alive. But we know that he will do it. Because nothing is impossible for God. He will do it. Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter 25 here. 
restoration of the nations of the kingdom of Israel. Leviticus chapter 25. And let's pick up in verse 8. And you shall count seven Sabbath of years for yourself. Seven times seven years, and the time of the seventh Sabbath of years shall be to you a forty-nine years. Then you shall cast the trumpet of the Jubilee to sound on what day? On the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement. You shall make the trumpet to sound throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the 50th year year, and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession. And each of you shall return to his family. God is still working on this obligation that one day will be fully fulfilled. And I can give you a countless scriptures from Jeremiah, from Isaiah, from Ezekiel, and from minor prophet about the coming restorations of the nations of Israel. But I don't have time for this, but you know where they are. And you know, through the Feast of Tabernacle, we probably go through so many of them. But you have an idea what I'm talking about. So now, what's the solution? What's the solution? Renew the covenant. Change of the priesthood. And here, the last point, restorations of the nations of Israel. Once all these three things happen, and some of, and everything is already in the progress, that will be the restorations of the mankind through Israel to the God Almighty. What a fantastic future for all of us. But, on top of that, on top of that, there is a spectacular prospect for people who are called the first fruits. The overcomer. The one who are faithful to the end. Who are not afraid to die for God's cause. Who are not afraid to die for this gospel. Who are not ashamed of his gospel. There is a great reward for these people. Because they will be present with Christ and God, and see him face to face, continually throughout the eternity. Wow. Are you ready? Am I ready? Are we ready? And how we can accomplish all these things? Through Jesus Christ. There's no any other way. Israel become rebellion against God. Jesus Christ came as an Israelite or the tribe of Judah. He became obedient to the dead. He became the overcomer. Now everything hangs on him. Everything hangs on him. When he came the first time, when Christ came the first time, he fulfilled the spring holidays as a perfect, innocent sacrifice. As a perfect, innocent sacrifice. Through this sacrifice, perfect, innocent sacrifice, we could have a true forgiveness. For our sins. Okay. Not just unintentional. But for intentional. And also because of Christ's sinless life. He become. He qualified. To be a high priest. 
and a mediator of the new covenant. Whom else you can trust? Who else has got such a dependable character, such a faithfulness like Jesus Christ? No one. Passover is about the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Atonement is about high priest exercising his power and his authority to deal with the issues of sin forever and ever so that God's people can be reunited with God in his presence forever and ever. And I just have a few scriptures here to finish it because there is so much to say about this day, brother. There is so much to say about it, but we'll hear more about the atonement. We'll hear on, the, on this coming day of atonement on Monday, so please join us again as Pastor Murray will have his presentation. So I'll have a few more scriptures here. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15 here is a resurrection chapter, but it's so much more than just resurrection. Here in chapter 15, just going to cover a few verses. First Corinthians chapter 15, and let's speak about verse 21. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21. It says here, For since by men came death, by men also came the resurrections of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order. Christ is the first fruits, afterwards those who are in Christ at his coming, the first fruits. Then comes the end when Christ delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when Christ puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. All rule and all authority. Yours, kings, Nations, whatever, everything must be crushed. And everyone must accept the authority of Christ. And then, for he must reign, Christ, he must reign, till he put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. God the Father. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Praise God. Can't wait till this day happens. Can't wait. And better, hopefully, will be sooner then later. And I hope this is going to happen during my lifetime. And I, I hope that's the same your prayers and, you know, as my prayer. And I would like to conclude because this day is so big. This day is so huge. It, this day is so important. Okay? That we have to take scriptures that we read. Leviticus chapter 23. I'll conclude in here. Leviticus chapter 23. This day is so big, it's so huge, it's so spectacular. So many things will be accomplished on this day that no wonder 
the instructions here for us to be obedient are so detailed, so specific. Here in verse 29. For any person who is not afflicted in soul on the same day shall be cut off from his people. If you're not afflicted, if you treat this day lightly, God says, I'll cut you off. Okay? Verse 30. And any person who does any work on the same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. We are rehearsing. Each year, we're getting better and better and better. So make sure that at least for 24 hours period, you, you will completely forget about your work. And set your mind on Christ. What he did, what he is doing, and what he will do for you when he comes now. 31. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest. And you shall afflict your soul on the ninth day on the ninth day of the month at evening. From evening to evening you shall celebrate yourself. This is what it is. And this day is not just about, you know, when you just stay away, being absent from food and from drink. Okay? Because some of my people just looking that this is just my challenge. How am I going to make through this day? If you're drinking anything, if you're eating anything. If that's just your goal. It, it, this is just your goal. That you're missing a great point in here. When he says afflict your soul, it's way more. It's way more just not to eat, not to drink. It means you really, truly, you humble yourself. You come on your knees. You come on your knees and you send a petition to Father. He says to Christ, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. But thanks be to Christ. I can have a shot. Being a first group. As the Passover day is the opening door for reconciliation, atonement. So the door is closed. Reconciliation is done. And what side do you want to? Want to make it, or you don't want to make it? That's the choice that you have to face. And. As I said at the beginning, it's nice. It's nice to just quickly jump over the atonement, right? We're so excited. We, we just want to participate in the Feast of Tabernacle. But brethren, stop. Think. Meditate. Humble yourself. We can't jump into the Tabernacle before atonement. May God bless you all. May God give you a meaningful, wonderful time as you're going to fast. I hope that this time you're really going to go on your knees and you're really going to look back at your life, compare it to Christ, and be really thankful for what he's doing for you. May God bless you all, and I will see you. We'll see each other back on the Day of Atonement with Pastor Murray's message. May God bless you all, brethren. Thank you, brother, for a very powerful message.
Uh, certainly appreciate that uh, lead into the Day of Atonement. Uh, very powerful words. Always appreciate your ability to convey uh, God's word, especially from the Torah and his law. You have a have a, have a talent and a, and a gift in that area. And your uh, lead into the message on the Day of Atonement is uh, is certainly uh, interesting. We will actually be speaking about what it really means to afflict your soul. So I really appreciate your conclusion and how that is a perfect segue into the into the message in a couple of days. So as our brother uh, said, we will see you back here at 2.30 on Monday afternoon. But of course, the uh, time of affliction, time to afflict our souls and humble ourselves before our God begins tomorrow evening at sunset. Uh, we will close prayer, and immediately after the prayer, we will, as we always do, close in a hymn. That hymn will be from page 160 in our hymn, in our hymn books, but again, the words will be on your screen, and that hymn will be, To God Be the Glory. But before that, let us bow our heads and close in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before your throne and before you, Jesus Christ, full of awe and full of thankfulness full of gratitude and humility that you even allow us into your presence. But as we come before you now in the midst of this holy season that began last week with a both a look ahead and a reminder as we look back to the covenant that we are in with you, that you first made with Abraham and have extended through Israel and on into your people today, we are just so very blessed, very grateful to even be a part of it. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for being that perfect sacrifice for tabernacling here in human flesh 2,000 years ago and qualifying to be that perfect lamb. We ask you now to dismiss us here this afternoon. Help us to heed the words your servant brought to us today as we have about a little over a day until we come into holy time again tomorrow evening, a most solemn, as your word describes for us and we heard today, most solemn day, most solemn occasion for us to really leave everything aside for 24 hours and come before you with humility and really take stock of where we are. We are so grateful that this day, that we have this day to do this. You can help us not to look forward, to help us not look past this day. We certainly are so very uh, much excited for your Feast of Tabernacles, but we cannot get there until we properly keep this most holy day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice that you both, both have made for your people. Help us to understand our place in that story and help us to take our part seriously. Help us to take the time we have left on this earth and to be serious about our call. To take these times each year that we have to keep these holy days with gratitude and with purposefulness. So again, we ask you to dismiss us from here. We thank you for the technology that unites us. We thank you for for uh, gathering us here on your Sabbath day. We thank you for today, the, the Holy Sabbath, that we are here as a, as a commanded rest. 
please dismiss this service. Go with us over the next day or so and bring us into your holy time. So grateful and so thankful to be a part of your covenant people. We thank you. We praise you. We, we adore you. And we just put the rest of this Sabbath day into your hands. Thank you so very much for being our God. Accept us into your presence and, and thank you for allowing us to be your people. We ask this in the name of our elder brother, our soon coming king, our king of kings and lord of lords, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Thank you and we'll see you.